You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 172 of Comic Book Informer Podcast, coming to you on June 11th. Yes, it's a Wednesday, but honestly, some weeks you guys are lucky you get a show at all <laughs> with the way Roger and I go sometimes. And I heard that, by the way. You very nearly missed the mark there. That's the first I, time. Yeah. I think I that's forgot the what first month time, six was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before we get into our discussion this week, uh, are you at all interested or excited for what we heard with the Powers TV series? Very much. Very much. I think that. I mean, it depends on how it's done. There really wasn't a ton of information that was given. Um, hell, I don't even know if this is an animated show or a real action, real life action. Well, if they're, they're saying they're working on the casting now and that they want it to uh, start airing by December, so I would assume it's going to be live action. Well, casting, it could just as easily be voice acting. I mean, that's – I honestly, I don't know. And then they had like proof of concept pictures, but of course those were animated pictures that they, well not animated but illustrated I should I should say. Um but yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it's going to be live action because Bendis has actually been shopping the series around for several years now. He's been talking with FX and uh, AMC and it hasn't really worked out too well for him. Uh so it looks like he's at least found a home on PlayStation Network. I think it's I, I think it's great. Like there's different shows now that we're seeing um, more like on Netflix and and things like that that are originals for those. So I'm all for that. Let's get more shows away from the big networks and into these. We're seeing that also now with uh, with Crackle, which is through Sony. So I'm kind of surprised they're not going through that, but instead they're going through the PSN network. I don't know how it's going to work. All I know yeah. is that as PlayStation Plus subscribers, we get it all for free, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, so it, it's one of those things where I don't know if there's really going to be enough eyes on it if it's only going to be going through the PlayStation network, and I would assume you know DVD and Blu-ray at some point. Yeah, yeah. I That's that's the one concern. But that being said, though, like I mean, they've posted their sales for how many of these units have sold since it went out and it's in the millions so and they've also talked about the percentage increase what was it like it was over 90 percent increase in playstation plus members as well since the release of the ps4 of course because you have to if you need to play online but uh, but that means there's going to be a lot more people that actually will watch it because it's going to be something for that console for them as well so the viewer base is still going to be fairly good i would say like we're not talking netflix or anything but i mean i'm thinking it still could do fairly good yeah i'm just really interested to see how they pull it off because it's such a great concept and you know you go back to those early issues they can have a lot of fun with it as live action well the thing too is that um as live action it doesn't have to cost that much either in terms of special effects because they tend to investigate something that's already happened, a murder or something. 
So a dead body on the ground isn't going to cost them a lot as opposed to the special effects of people flying. I mean, they'll want some of that as well periodically too, but it's not going to be every single episode have a lot of flying around like, you know, like the Superman shows and things like that or the, the Green Arrow even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but definitely something cool, definitely something to look out for. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, I have a little bit of lead in for this week's discussion because getting this one together was a bit of a, an adventure. Uh, this past weekend, I went to see the new movie. Uh, God, what is it called? Edge of, Edge Tomorrow. of Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something I was pretty interested in ever since I saw the first trailer, but I wasn't quite sure how it was going to work out. And it turns out the movie was actually pretty darn good. I, I really enjoyed it. A lot of fun. And the movie is actually based on a Japanese novel by the title of All You Need Is Kill, which has to be my favorite title for anything in years. That's just a great title. And it kind of blends in because I've been wanting for us to kind of take a look at some manga stuff lately. Now that we have a uh, DC-sized hole <laughs> in our scheduling, <laughs> they, they, I want to start looking into other ways to to fill that episode time and I thought manga was a pretty good way to do that because since I think April of this year maybe even a little earlier uh, Viz Manga has been publishing the All You Need Is Kill manga adaptation of the novel in their Shonen Jump weekly comic which is actually if you're into manga or even interested in it it's a hell of a deal you get it every week and it comes out 250, 200 some, almost 300 pages for some issues, and it's a buck for the digital edition. Nice. And you can even get a, a subscription for $3 a month. So you're going to get your money's worth. And I was like, okay, this could be pretty cool. Look into it. For some stupid reason, they only carry the last eight issues and back issues. And all you need is kills already up to issue 16. So there is absolutely no way to get the comic that I wanted to read for this episode. I don't understand why uh, they, it's just and even then, the the back issues are only something they've implemented very recently. Like for the longest time, there was no back issues at all. You, you either read it or you had to wait a few months for the collected edition to come out. But, oh well. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool service and it's something that uh, we might be looking into at some point in future episodes. In the absence of that, though, we did have a more American adaptation, uh, still published by uh, Viz Manga, Viz Media, uh, written by Nick Mamadas, Mamatas, I'm sorry, art by Lee Ferguson and uh, Fajar Buana. And I forgot to mention, the original novel is written by Hiroshi Sakurazaka. And this is the one I was talking about that I read at Free Comic Book Day, and I really wasn't all that into it because the Free Comic Book Day issue that came out was something literally out of the middle of this graphic novel (laughs) it was the beginning part of chapter three where they tell rita's backstory and that as standalone was pretty not impressive like even in the graphic novel i wasn't all that crazy about that particular scene but i was so interested and after spending like a week trying to find the manga i was like screw it we're just gonna read this version of it for the show (laughs) and It's an interesting look at the adaptation because you can tell, at least for me, that the core story of the novel and the manga is definitely pretty interesting. Just for this particular graphic novel, you know, what is it, like 100 pages wasn't enough to tell the story because it seemed incredibly rushed at a lot of points. 
I don't think it's just that. I think it's the translation as well. And, and also the, just the plain difference in how a story is told in Japan as opposed to how it's told here. So I think those differences, you really notice it on, on the page then when it's, when it's translated for us to, to read it. Because it's, again, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, both of us have watched a lot of Japanese whether it's a samurai movie or anything, you know, Japanese different shows and then the, the various anime shows and then the mangas and whatnot, it's, it's a, an entirely different pace. And so even if I had not seen the, the, you know, the intro showing that it was adapted from something else and I just started reading from the first quote unquote page, actually, I would still be able to see that, oh, okay, this is an adaptation of a Japanese manga. So, it's just a different format. And once you accept that and once you, you, you know, especially if you're used to it, then I didn't think it was as bad because again, it was one of those where I immediately, Oh, okay. So it's, you, it's a, a different mindset almost when you're reading it, that they're not going to pace the story the same way as, you know, Marvel or DC, hell, they could never pull something like this off. So I, I, once I, I was all right with that then, and knowing what the story was as well, because it, I mean, it, it didn't take long to figure out, oh, this is where they got edge of tomorrow. Then I knew the type of story that it was going to be where it's the groundhog day repeating constantly. So again, once you know that, then the pacing actually falls nicely into place. I thought, yeah, the, the pacing as far as like the resetting and, and that sort of stuff, I thought it was actually really effective. I'm just talking more about the actual plot developments. Like there are some things that happened super quick or like almost even off panel. Like yeah. there were a couple points where I thought I missed a page. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So our story here stars a young Japanese man, uh, Keiji Korea, who is in the armed forces fighting against this invading alien threat. And in one of his first days on the job, he gets horribly slaughtered. <laughs> I, I actually liked some of the stuff uh, with the military interactions that they know they're completely screwed. Their commanding officers know they're completely screwed. But, you know, this is kind of their last chance, if you will. So you either throw the untrained troops out there that, or just give up. So I think there, there is some good uh, setup there for just the general mindset of the characters. I enjoyed that. The weird thing for KG here is he wakes up the next day. <laughs> and if you're familiar with the concept for the movie, basically it's your Groundhog Day setup where he goes into battle every day, gets killed every day, and then wakes up right back where he started. And I actually like a lot of the ways that they played with that mechanic because early on in the story, he meets an American woman, Rita Vratasky, who he realizes has gone through the same thing he has and the ways where you see, especially early on in the story where he's testing out the extent of his abilities, you know, okay, if I do this, this happens. If I do that, you know, get this other outcome. I, I said the actual repeating parts of the story and the way that was played out, I actually did really enjoy how, how that, uh, how that worked. Yeah. And the, the interactions between those two at different points are, are quite good. I, I liked it a lot. And again, it was, I enjoyed it as well because it was different because I, I haven't been reading a lot of manga lately because we've been on, you know, the 
Marvel kick and, and, and all that and the, the independence in, in terms of image and, and actual smaller indies, but nothing to this degree kind of thing. And, and so again, you really notice the difference in writing and the setup and different things like that when the two are interacting at various points throughout the story where not as much attention is necessarily given to um, to scenes that you would you would see more attention given to if it was done by say again Marvel or someone an image kind of thing, but here it's just one panel, maybe one line or two, sometimes even just a look. So I, I really dug that. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. One of the things I really liked was the interaction he had with his training officer. Yeah. Where his training officer told him the story about, you know, how the samurai became so incredible. You know, it wasn't just training. It wasn't just, you know, inborn skill. Every day the samurai went out there and fought someone and he either died or he lived and got better. And it's just driving home the drive the overall concept of the series of that. You know what? If he's going to keep repeating this day, he's going to go out there every day. He's going to go out there, kill aliens. And every time he's going to get a little bit better and grow into this cool, badass hero. And you know, KG listens to the story. He's like, oh, it's just like a video game. <laughs> Having the, you know, the younger reaction to it. But that that really was, from what I understand, one of the core setups from the novel that it was really played out like a video game. And you even see that to an extent here and in the movie where when you're playing a game and you're up against a spot that's just beating you down left and right, you keep up at it. You die, you learn, you get better. And it's just, we've seen so many video game adaptations as far as adapting the video game stories and the video game characters. This is the first time I think anything has really gone as far as adapting the video game experience into a comic, a movie, a novel, what have you. Well, I challenge that just as, just simply with, say, Sword Art Online and things like that, which that's ex- okay. Exactly yeah, I, I, I will are. grant yeah. you that. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, no, I saw that too. And again, as gamers, we really clue into those things, and it it peppers the story with this this entirely different attitude mentality towards the death. Like you're saying, you learn from it and you move on. So again, I, I was very happy that that was put in. Going back to the trainer, just briefly mm-hmm. i like that too because again it it shows attention to what the story as a whole is because if you look at how the trainer treats him at the beginning it's different as the story progresses the trainer is always the same guy but all of a sudden now as the story progresses he's giving a lot more respect to the main character who is progressively getting tougher and more badass. So I, I really like that as well too. The the not just the trainer, but the the his entire squad, anybody that quote unquote knows him kind of thing, then is got more respect for him later on than they do at the at the beginning. Yeah, it's very subtle. It, exactly, but it is there and that's that's what I wanted. Like how when he first shows up with the axe, everybody's making fun of him. Like, you know, what the heck are you going to do with that? Yeah. But, you know, a couple pages later, after he's died a dozen or so more times, and we see them calling out, like, that's a good idea. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you may not die today. <laughs> but, yeah, as the story goes on, he keeps working with, with Rita. They get better. Eventually, they even the aliens start changing up the plans. And 
I don't want to spoil the ending because I have to say that was a hell of a twist that I did not see coming at all. And I actually, it was pretty damn cool. I, I won't say anything to spoil it either then. I'm actually really upset that the movie did not have that ending. Okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm, I was ready for like some awesomeness and it just had your typical Hollywood happy ending. Oh, I was like, movie. oh, boo. So I told friends about how you know, the original version ended. And they're like, oh, my God, that was so much cooler. Why couldn't they do that? <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it, it was actually a better adaptation than I was expecting. Like, I, I say this a lot, but I think they did the best they could with the format and – if anything, it makes me want to find those manga volumes and even read the original, well, obviously the translated version of the Japanese novel because this is such a cool concept. These are pretty good characters. I want to see it more fleshed out and more fully realized. You know, it's funny, just to backtrack a little bit, you were saying you would hope for a better adaptation. And what we have to remember too, like sometimes we'll bash the movies because they don't hold true to what the comic is or the novel or whatever and we we have to remind ourselves too that sometimes yes it is the studio or the writers or the directors who butcher the ending but sometimes they do it because they try something else that's the same as the original and when they have early screenings Mm -hmm. they get nothing but negative comments from people that just want that happy ending so sometimes it's just a matter of how much money do we want to make from this investment. Oh, yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, so it's it's just a different way to look at it. Not that I'm defending Cruz, because <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to be <laughs> doing that. But, yeah, and so I can see how they do something different than this just to appease the masses. Yeah, it's just like with World War Z, as terrible of a movie it was, and it, I don't even want to call it an adaptation of the novel because it's not – when I read online the original ending that they had planned for it, not even planned, that they filmed for it, and how the screening audiences reacted to it, I was like, man, that was a cool ending for me. But again, when you're, when you're putting hundreds of millions of dollars on the line, yeah. it, you, you can't market to Vince. <laughs> you, you have to get regular people in there too. But yeah, again, not to spoil the ending like you were saying, but I, it's... <laughs> Uh, it's almost spoiling it, just saying, like, again, there's there's chances that a lot of other areas will take with stories that North American writers, creators won't. Mm-hmm. That a lot of stories have to be wrapped up in that bow so that everybody's happy at the end. Whereas if you read a lot of fiction from other places around the world, they're not as afraid to delve into the dark. And I mean, especially when you look at a lot of stuff out of Japan, especially taking into consideration their history, the it's, it's part of it's, it's much more accepted part of their life to have something that is dramatic like this kind of thing so it made sense to have it in there mm-hmm. but all, all together i said a lot of fun definitely worth checking out at least i i agree yeah all right so for what we're reading this week first of all i have moon knight issue four came out and again god <laughs> warren ellis and uh declan shelvey are just killing it on this comic again every issue has been a self-contained story i'm okay with that i love it because every issue has been really, really good. And from the minute this was announced, my first question was, how many issues is Warren going to write? Because Warren doesn't do 
long-term ongoing commitments anymore. Well, we found out last week that it's uh, actually only six issues and then Brian Wood is taking over. So I'm going to be reading two more issues of this comic and and enjoying it for what it was and then forgetting about it forevermore. Yeah. That's too bad. Mm -hmm. Also, did you read issue eight of Amazing X-Men? Which one was that? That is uh, the one with the new full-time writing team with uh, Craig Kyle, Chris Yost. Uh, Ed McGinnis is back on art, which is awesome. And we have the three musketeers, if you will, back together again because we had Wolverine. We finally got Kurt back. And now in this issue, Peter shows up at the mansion. And we just get pages of great scenes between Nightcrawler and Colossus. And again, the decades of character relationship formed between the friendship and these three characters made this issue worth it 100%. I haven't read it yet. Mm-hmm. So it, if they can keep going like this, you know, it's not as great as the Jason Aaron stuff was, but I would be perfectly happy with this comic if it keeps this tone and this this uh, sort of storytelling going forward. Because cool. even the threat they're facing is, it's some good stuff. Awesome. And then finally... Big Trouble in Little China. You know what? I haven't read that one yet, so don't spoil anything. Okay. Hilariously, it picks up exactly where the movie left off. Really? Like the last scene of the movie from what 1986, I think it was, is the first panel of the comic. Awesome. It, it picks up with there. It is so goofy, so ridiculous that if this had happened... Any of this had happened in any other story, I'd be going, God, this is so stupid. Because it's Big Trouble in Little China, I want it to be as big and goofy and stupid as possible because it's fun. (laughs) Can you see Kurt Russell, though, in the writing? Absolutely. Awesome. And even the artwork is a characterized version of Kurt Russell. (laughs) Right. Awesome. So, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with it. And now I want to watch the movie again. Cool. Okay. All right. What have you got for us this week, Grouch? Well, in keeping with the um, translated copy, I wanted to talk about Naja. Naja or Naya, I don't know how it's pronounced. Have you seen this yet? Not at all. It's from Magnetic Press, and it's a. it's based on a... I'm going to say French. I could be wrong, but judging by the original published and it's the titles in French, I'm going to assume it, it's a French series. It's a 10-part miniseries and uh, it's written by J.D. Morvan and illustrated by Bengal. That's his name, her name, whatever. Um, the art is wicked cool. Um, really love it. Really love it. It's not like highly stylized um kind of detailed art it's very rough lines which fit with the story and the story is of this female assassin who is who's very removed from I don't want to say removed from society, but very distant and very, not aloof, but cold, emotionless in some ways. Um, He mentions that a lot of not, not being overly emotional, except in terms of she hates everybody. 
like there's <laughs> she travels around the world throughout the first two issues that I read to different places for a variety of reasons. And the writer's very honest with her in terms of like, she hates the French when she's in France. And then it becomes this running gag almost where when she's in Iceland, she hates them and explains why she hates them. And it, it, and it goes on like that, but she is this very interesting character that you could see as the writer is just trying to create this ultra assassin kind of thing that doesn't feel and no remorse and it's just awesome in every way, but it doesn't come off as such. It comes off as this very not broken character, but insanely interesting to read and the manner in which it's written, the first issue, there it's it's actually a little bit longer too. All told, we're looking at uh, 25 pages. So it's, again, a few pages when you're looking at a 22-page story typically does make a difference. There is actually no speaking from any of the characters until page 22. Up until then all the action is narrated. Now, normally, and we've talked about this before, again, too much narration is is not good, but unless it's done well, and this is one of those cases where it's done well, and what winds up happening is that it's it's almost as if because you're just watching movement and and, and, and what is going on in the story without them speaking and you're not getting the cheesy biff bang boom no sound effects in the story either it's it feels just from the tone of the writing and and the the look of it as well it feels like you're watching a an old movie that is entirely quiet and you're just getting this narration over top of it and it works it works amazingly well to the point where I, I wish that it would have continued throughout the entire uh, first issue and not had that speaking um, early on. It, it the, the speaking still works and it makes sense and there's not a lot of it, but I, I think it would have been better just to maintain that silence throughout the, the whole issue because it has such an impact. And then the second one reverts then to a normal storytelling where there's there's still a lot of narration a lot of narration but again it works and then the um you're getting more backstory on her as well in terms of who she used to be and things like that and the organization that she works for and the trouble that's coming up it is fantastic i really really like these two issues a lot Cool. So definitely something to check out. And again, a completely different... I don't know that I've ever read anything from Magnetic Press. I Hell, I didn't even know they existed. I would be curious to look at some of the other stuff that they've published now to see if it's in the same quality. Um, it's of the same quality as this. So, yeah. Wow. Um, other than that, the only stuff I've been finishing up reading... The World of Warcraft novel that just came out, War Crimes. So that has just 
Christy Golden wrote that, so I had to sit down and read it, and it was amazing, like I told you already. And then I started the first Dresden novel from the Dresden Files, and it's that's one of the reasons I was asking if you could see Kurt Russell in the writing in Big Trouble <laughs> in China, because when you read the novels, you can see that they did such a good job with the casting for that first and only season that they did on TV, because you see that actor... So that was awesome. One other thing very, very quickly that I wanted to to talk about, and it's not, it'd be better if I could show pictures, obviously, but I can't. But one of these days, it might be nice for us to just take a little bit of time and talk about some of our favorite comic book readers as well that we use for our various tablets and all that. I picked up a new app called Chunky, and I used to use another one called Comic Glass, which was phenomenal but this one here i picked up and you can use it without paying for it or you can unlock it for all of three bucks and i did unlock it and just to say if anybody has an ipad um or i'm assuming it works on iphone i haven't tried it and is looking for a really good comic book reader check out it's called chunky it is phenomenal it is at the moment it fills every single one of my needs it is supremely easy to get comics off of you don't even need an app running like a quote-unquote server app running on your computer like a lot of these other ones need it'll go right to a shared drive on either a pc or a mac so if you're looking for a really good app for ios definitely give it a look it it's i can't speak highly enough of it so just something a little different there. All right. That's a lot of different. <laughs> Sorry, I went on a little bit longer than I thought I would on Naja there, but it's just... Now, for something that that unique and that different? It was, yeah, I, I was quite surprised, pleasantly surprised at just how much I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. All right, then. For this week's new releases from Marvel, we're very interested in All New Ultimates, number three, of course. We also have Captain Marvel, number four, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, number two. Make sure you read the right one, I Roger. read the right first one eventually. <laughs> Deadpool, number 30. Original Sins, number one. Yes, I didn't goof that up. Original Sin, singular, is the event comic. Original Sins, plural, is the tie-in comic. I hate you, Marvel. Oh, and we also have Wolverine number eight of note because it is the start of the death of Wolverine storyline. And let's start the clock ticking on how long before he comes back. Yeah, really. All right. From Image, we have Manifest Destiny number seven. And I guess people are still reading Walking Dead with number 128. I know eventually you're going to check that out again. <laughs> you know what? It's funny because I was looking at your show notes and I saw that and I was trying to remember at what point I stopped because I think I stopped at like. 14 or 15 and I don't miss it one bit I gotta tell you <laughs> honestly I don't I get my fix of The Walking Dead from the Telltale game and that's good enough for me <laughs> alright IDW brings us Transformers Robots in Disguise number 30 and from Valiant Comics we have Archer and Armstrong number 21 so that's gonna wrap us up here this week as always you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at cbinformer would be interested in some manga suggestions because like I said I, I want to Explore that avenue a bit more because it's definitely something that we've ignored here and want to make that right. So until next week, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.